So when I was a kid, um, I uh, would watch movies, right? And we all watch movies. We're in the digital age, right? The video age, right? And so uh, I'd watch a movie when I was a kid, and, you know, it's you know, good movie. I always want action movies, right? It's fun, shoot them up, bang, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Good times and something that, you know, keep me awake, you know. Dramas, pretty boring, you know. They had slow stories to them. They're talking about life. It's like, ah, come on, movie's an escape, right? I don't want to know about life. Let's just have a good time, right? So anyway, this is a kid, right? And, and probably maybe you're in the similar spot when you were a kid. But I found something weird as I grew up, right? As I got older and older, I found that uh, I like the stories to have a little more complexity to them. And, and I also found that, you know, I began to connect more and more with those dramas and those stories. As a kid, you know, I mean, I, I would never cry at a movie. I mean, it's just a movie, right? First of all, I never watched a drama that would need, you know, have any tears. I mean, you know, we, we all kind of freaked out when we found out that, you know, Darth Vader was Luke's father, right? I mean, that freaked us all out. But, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you just didn't, you know, as a kid, I didn't do that. But as I've gotten to be an adult, and especially after having kids, oh, man, I, I got to be, I started to be an emotional wreck. I, I remember when Father of the Bride came out. Oh, my gosh. I think, I think that was the first time when I was like, oh, this is different, right? Because if I would have watched that movie as a kid, nothing. It would have meant nothing. I said, probably would have said, this is kind of a dumb movie. I mean, like, who really cares, right? I mean, da-da-da, they get married. What's the big deal? Okay, move on, right? But no, once you have your own daughters, and in my daughters, is when I first time watched this, they were in their teens, early teens, and, you know, oh, man, it just killed me. And I, like, wept through that movie, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, I just, I pictured myself there. I mean, Steve Martin and I already are kind of like twins. <laughs> but now, it's like, in this movie, I was just like, oh, I could, I could see me being in that spot. And, and I could feel the tension. The, the excitement and the joy of giving your daughter away and the celebration that comes with that. But the loss of that relationship that's just not going to ever be the same. I was still enjoying cuddling with my daughters on the couch and how they would just come and they'd jump next to me and they just want to sit next to me. And I knew that that was going to come to an end at some day, some point. And now I got my second daughter who's getting married in May, so yeah. Imagine where I'm at recently. So, so um, but there's something true about stories that if we can't find ourselves in the story, then it doesn't mean as much to us. Right? You know, what draws a story out, what, what makes it impactful, is our ability to connect with the story that's being told, whether it's in video or whether it's just being read. And this is even more difficult to connect with stories when they're written 2,000 years ago. When, when we look at the, the shepherd's story that we're looking at this morning, there's this 2,000-year gap in culture and experience that it's really hard for us to identify with these shepherds. Not only are probably none of us in this room a shepherd, but 
We also have no idea what it would be like to not have a car to get around and to transport ourselves, to not have the internet, to not have phone. Well, maybe some of us remember the great days of not having internet, right? But, you know, we, we, we can't relate. And so because we can't relate, sometimes the story gets lost. And even though this is not just a story, right? This is, this is fact. This is real life. This was a real event in history. And so this morning, I, I want to I help us maybe to connect with this story, to be able to maybe relate with this story by trying to, trying to bring the story down to our level in a sense. For us to, this morning, at the beginning of Advent, this Sunday, first Sunday of Advent, to, to be looking forward and recognizing that this story about the birth of Jesus is not just something that happened 2,000 years ago, but it's something that is still happening in each of our lives today. And that we would connect with this story in a new way, but also, here's the beauty, when we connect to a story, then we can learn from it. See, the Father, the Father of the Bride, that movie was not just a movie for me. Not only did I connect with it emotionally and experientially, but it became some, some gold in that movie that I was like, oh, I could apply that to my own perspective. I could prepare myself for what I knew was coming. And if we can, if we can connect with the story of the shepherds, if we can connect with the Christmas stories, then maybe we can glean some new truths out of it, some truths that will change us and change our perspective and change maybe the way we live out, but also maybe increase our anticipation of the future and what God has for us. So Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 15. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Just normal shepherds. They weren't special shepherds. They weren't, you know, extra, you know, high-class shepherds. You know, they, they weren't, you know, the kind of the elite shepherds of the crew, right, you know, that only them got to be it. No, this, this is just kind of, not only is it just a bunch of normal shepherds, and it's a, it's a bunch of random shepherds. I mean, I, I mean, certainly God in his sovereignty ordained that these particular shepherds would be there, but in their own lives, there was not some thinking that this is going to be a big event and I need to make sure I'm there, right? I mean, they just happened to be there. No big deal. They're just normal guys. But also, the fact that they're normal also points to the fact that they were just, just kind of humble guys, too. They, they weren't strutting their stuff. They weren't trying to get attention. They were just being faithful to the job that they were given. Okay, this, this job of caring for sheep, right? They're sitting, you know, maybe there in, in, in front of a fire, just kind of minding their own business, going about their normal routine, doing their normal job, and, just, and they were happy with that. They, you know, maybe they had some visions of grandeur, but most part they were just, you know, this is, this is my lot. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to do for my life. And we need to recognize that Jesus came for just the normal people. He, he came for just the regular Joes, right, Joe? Just the regular Joes. They came for just the regular folks, right? He, 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 Jesus didn't, like, come for just the elite, right? 
I mean, you think about this. This is God of the universe, sends his son to the earth. You would think, okay, there should be some kind of pomp and circumstance when he arrives. There should be some kind of, you know, this is just for, the, the, you, know, you got to pay a high price in order to get in for this ticket, right? To, to be able to be able to see this show. You would think that. But no, these are just normal guys. And they have this abnormal experience. But Jesus came for the normal. He came for the regular ones. He came for the ones who are actually just, they're humble. Those of us who are just, we recognize, you know, man, my, li- my life's not glamorous and it never will be. And that's okay. What I'm doing is important and I've got a job to do and, and I, I get joy out of that and I've got a family to raise and family around me that I can in- engage with and, and that's a good thing and we're, we're okay with that. We're humble about it. But we also recognize that, you know, we're not perfect. God's We've got some sin in our life. We've, matter of fact, maybe some of the glory that we've missed out is because of our own failures, our own mistakes. But the reality, again, we need to keep this in forefront of our mind that Jesus came for the sick. Luke 5, 31 to 32, Jesus answers them. He says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, it's but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Part of the Pharisees' big gripe with Jesus is that he didn't hang out with them. They're like, if you're the Messiah, if you are Jesus, if you are Lord, then, man, you should be hanging out with us religious elite folks. We've got it all together. We're the ones that are righteous. We're the ones that are obeying the law. So you should be hanging out with us. But they did, but he didn't hang out with them. And why didn't he? Because he wasn't there for the righteous. He was there for the sinners. Call them to repentance. And it's the normal folks like us, it's the, the humble folks that recognize the mistakes of their life and the struggles that they've had are oftentimes just because of their own sinfulness. It's for us that he came. It's for us that he's called us to repentance because we recognize our need. This Advent season... As we go through the next month, I'd encourage all of us to spend time thinking about and admitting our need for Jesus. You know, sometimes we just kind of skip over this, especially, and I think in our culture, we can, we can downplay our sinfulness, and we like to really focus on God's love, and it's okay, and God does love us, don't get me wrong. But his love means so much more when we understand it in the light of our sinfulness, our wretchedness. That he still loves us. Verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Again, these guys are just simple, normal, kind of doing their job, shepherds, out on a hill, Imagine, I mean, it's, it's night, right? It's late, you know, it, they've got probably a little fire going. Uh, they're they're kind of huddled around. There's a bunch of bleeding, not bleeding, but bleating, all right, going on around them because of all the sheep, right? And, and they're just kind of in their own zone. But it's dark, right? I mean, there's stars out. Maybe they're hanging out looking at the stars a little bit. And then all of a sudden, an angel shows up. Now, it's not some little, you know, dim little fairy that shows up, right? 
No, 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 no. This is like an angel of the Lord and the glory of the Lord shone around him. I mean, this is like bright light, probably blots out even the sun if the sun was up at the time at that time. I mean, they just they're this is an amazing event. And can you imagine how they would be curled up maybe in a ball going, oh my gosh, what is going on right now? It reminds me of uh, a time that I was out uh, on a canoe trip up in Canada. I've done this canoe trip many, many times, and it was late one night, and there was a storm coming through, and we were at the campsite, and we had just gotten things set up, and uh, we were working on dinner, and so we had this little fire, and we're all huddled around this fire. It's raining. It's cold. All we've got is our tents. I mean, missing my heater, right? <laughs> Anything to warm up. We're freezing, sitting here by the fire, trying to get our dinner going, and as the storm comes through, all of a sudden, a lightning bolt hits in camp. And I, I'm telling you, I, I've never experienced anything like this. First of all, the light was so bright. Even though I'm looking at this fire camp, the, it was so bright, it lit up everything, but it actually blinded my eyes for a second, and I couldn't help but close my eyes. But right at the same time as that light sh shone, also the thunder hit. And it was so loud that it shook me. And I couldn't help but fall back and kind of sit on my butt and go, ah! You know, I mean, it's just like, whoa! And I imagine that this is what the shepherds were experiencing. Like, whoa! What is this? But it's an angel. In some sense, it may have been easier to have a lightning bolt. Right? I mean, because they could have said, oh, well, yeah, it's lightning. Okay, well, it, it hit, now it's going to move on. And wow, that was really scary. Now we want to do that again. But this is an angel. I mean, what that means, right? I mean, how do you, how do you put that into your brain? I'm sure none of these shepherds, you know, I mean, it wasn't a regular occurrence. So walking around, you know, hey, oh, there's an angel. Hey, how's it going, bro? Good to see you today. Michael, you're a man, man. You're the man. Anyway, no, it's not that. Never experienced this. Now, granted, maybe we've never experienced a lightning bolt, but we can at least explain that. But when it's something that is supernatural, something that's beyond what we can fully understand, we're like, oh. And this is true of us. I think, I think we tend to be, you know, we're, there's a lot of things we're afraid of. But I think we tend to be more fearful of the things that we don't understand, that we don't know. And so many of us, the supernatural, I mean, if an angel were to show up in our face like that, I mean, what do we, why? Why is there an angel standing? Why is this bright light? Why, what, why me? What are you doing? What's going on? The fear that would come from that. But I think what this points us to and the thing that I think we need to take with us out of this story is the reality that it's the supernatural that we need to long to see. the closer we get to Jesus, the more we understand who he is and, and experience more of who he is, the angel becomes less and less fearful for us. We get more and more excited about seeing that. And 2 Corinthians 4.18 says that we should fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal that we would get our eyes off of the physical realities and recognize that there is a spiritual world all around us. In essence, that stuff is the stuff that's eternal. And so this Advent season, may we turn our focus instead of looking at the temporal gifts of this world, 
May we focus instead our attention on the eternal gifts that we receive from God. And when I say eternal gifts, uh, let me be clear, I, I don't mean the, the, the blessings that he gives us in this temporal world. I mean the blessings of having a, you know, a roof over our head and, and, and having a vehicle to drive around and, and, and the relationships. That we, I'm talking about eternal gifts. The things that we will get to enjoy for all eternity. That intimate relationship with him. The hope that comes from it. The love. Verses 10 and 11. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. They, we have to understand that for the Jewish nation, this moment was the moment they had all been looking for and waiting for their whole life. For these shepherds to hear this message from these angels at this moment in time, they had to have been overjoyed and excited about the fact that the Messiah was finally here. That it was finally time for them to get to meet this amazing Christ who was going to be Lord of all that was going to bring in the eternal kingdom and that they were going to reign with this Jesus for all time. You know, it's, it's like, you know, I'm an extrovert. I know, nobody, nobody knew that, I'm sure. But I'm an extrovert, so I love people, right? I love it when people come over to my house. And so it's like, whenever there's someone coming to my house, uh, I, I'm like, always like watching the door, right? It's like, you know, they're supposed to be there at one o'clock or something, and I'm, I'm over there at 12 o'clock going, are they here yet? Oh, nope, not here yet. No, back to my thing, you know. And then every five minutes after that, I'm like, are they here yet? You know, huh, right, I do it. Don't, are they here yet? You know, I'm always doing So Thanksgiving, we had people coming over. And so I'm like, the whole time, all morning, I'm like, are they here yet? Are they here yet? Are they here yet? No, no, here yet. Shoot, come on. Anyway, so it's like, I was so excited. But this is even more than that, right? This is, this is the Lord, the Messiah, the one who's coming. God coming to earth. God being with his people. That's exciting stuff. But you understand that we need to understand that this excitement still exists today. We look back and we read this story and we can maybe even forget about the excitement that would come. But even if we do understand the excitement, we disconnect from it. We don't get it. But we need to understand that this didn't happen just 2,000 years ago. It's still happening today. Jesus is still coming into the lives of individuals every day around this world. He's still in us. He's with us everywhere we go. We can't get rid, of, get, get rid of him. We can't get away from him. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Now, life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. God is still with us. Again, we can sometimes be practicing deists as Christians, believing that God created all of this and then he left. Or maybe he did come 2,000 years ago as a baby, then when he died and he rose and then he ascended, that we ha he's, not, he's not active anymore. But it's not true. He's still alive. He's still working. He's still among us. May we never forget that in this Advent season. May we celebrate his presence anew. There's a great spiritual practice called the prayer of examine. 
And, and the whole point of this practice is to, at the end of the night, review where God has been active in your life that day. So, so the idea is at the end of the night, you're laying in bed or whatever you, maybe, you, whatever you do for your normal kind of end-of-the-day prayers, but you just you sit and you take a moment and you say, God, show me where you have been active in my life throughout this day. And then you start with the time you got up and you start to review all the events of the day and just lay them before the Lord and say, God, where were you in this? Where were you in this? It's a great tool for us to, to kind of uh, help to make us more alert and aware fact that God is present in it all. And may we practice that this Advent season. May we celebrate his presence. Verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. You know, this is this is unbelievable. This, this would have shocked the Jewish mind, in a sense. Even though they were expecting a Messiah, and even, even in a sense there was this, you know, Isaiah you know, prophesies about this baby being born and all of that, but there's still this sense of shock about it. To actually see a baby who is Jesus, right? I mean, we have babies in our church, none in this service, uh, but, you know, uh, baby Elsie and uh, baby Isaac and baby uh, Riverland, right? I mean, we've got a few babies, right? You see the baby, you go, oh, uh, that's kind of scary. That's a, uh, right? I mean, some of you do, maybe. I, I'm like afraid of babies. But I was just holding baby, baby Isaac. I mean, just so sweet. Just slept the whole time I was holding him. I was like, come on, wake up. Come on, wake up. And he wouldn't wake up. But anyway, it, it, but it, there's no fear in that, right? But yet, see, understand that the Jewish mindset of God was he's this amazing, holy, all-powerful, all-knowing God. And he's a God of judgment. That when they screwed up, they got exiled. And so they built all of these laws around the law so that they wouldn't screw up again because they were so afraid of getting exiled again. And then God shows up as a baby, as a humble servant. This blows, this blows their mind of who this God is that they're worshiping. It's not that he's not this holy God, but this holy God is also a humble servant who loves and comes to the earth as a child to come and to care for us and to serve us. Philippians 2, verses 5 to 7, in relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. This Advent season, may we serve like Jesus served. You know, sometimes we act like we need to be served or deserve to be served. Sometimes we actually even treat Jesus this way. Yeah, Jesus, you should be washing my feet. No. Jesus set us an example. Example to follow that even though he is holy and all-powerful and an almighty God, he comes to serve. And if we're going to love him and be in relationship with him, then we will serve just like he did. Verses 13 and 14. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. (laughs) So, So as if, you know, like, this isn't enough, right? I mean, they've got this angel before them, the glory of the Lord shone around them. They're already kind of in this freaked out state. And then a whole bunch more angels show up and they all start worshiping God, right? I mean, think about the scene, right? Think about being there. What would you do? I mean, would, I, I just, I can't imagine them not getting swept up in the moment and even singing the song with the angels. I'm sure it's a song that they knew. A song, it's, it's from a, an Old Testament book, right? I mean, the idea that they would be worshiping with these angels and they would join them in this chorus, Right, I mean, this amazing truth that this Jesus came to earth as a baby, is the Messiah is finally here, and now we get the opportunity to worship and glorify him and to praise him for all that he's done. This is what we're we're talking about. This is, you know, it's like, you know, we we do this all the time. We we have lots of praise for lots of people and lots of things. I mean, I think about my own life, right? If I read a really good book, I'm usually, it's like I'm looking for opportunities to tell people about that book. Right? I mean, I have a conversation with somebody, and oh, we kind of get on a topic maybe that the book covers a little bit. It's like, oh, well, let me tell you about this book. This is an amazing book I get you need to read because it's really good, right? Or, or maybe, uh, you know, a teacher, right? Or, or, or a podcast maybe that we listen to. Oh, you know, we got, you got to really listen to this guy. He is Ravi Zachariah. He's pretty amazing. You know, you gotta, he's got some good stuff out there, right? And we do this all the time with people and with books and even with movies or whatever. But do we do it with Jesus, Right? I mean, those things almost seem like they are, they're more important to us than, than Jesus. It's like Jesus is kind of, yeah, it's, yeah, he's been around, yeah, it's 2,000 years. It's, you know what I'm saying? But may we find again the excitement of proclaiming the praises of Jesus to our friends and to our family and to anybody we run into. The reality is, is that we, this is, this is a great, this is so good. If we don't proclaim Jesus' praises, Jesus tells us the rocks are going to do it, right? I mean, think about this, right? I mean, he's coming in, triumphal entry, end of his life, right? He rides in on a donkey. They're putting down palm branches, and they're singing his praises as they come in. The Pharisees, gets, he gets into the city. The Pharisees come up to him and say, what are you doing, Jesus? You need to tell these people to stop worshiping you. And Jesus says to him, I tell you, if, you, if they keep quiet, The stones will cry out. You cannot keep the praise of Jesus away. May we all keep the stones quiet by our praise of Jesus. Amen? This Advent, let us proclaim his praises, not just in the quiet of our home, but when we're out in this community, when we're with friends, we're with family, with strangers that we don't know. May we boldly proclaim Jesus. All right, 15 and 16. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. You know, this this wasn't good enough just for them to hear, right? They weren't content with just like, Oh, that was cool, and back to their fire. Bleed, bleed. You know, no, I mean, this was, this was a big deal. They, they were like, no, I got to see this. I got to be there firsthand. I got I to be at this event, right? 
It's like the concert, right? You got to be at the concert. There's just something different about being at the concert than actually, you know, just hearing about the concert or listening to the CD, right? I mean, even the concert that, that has the live recording, right, and you hear the crowd, it's still different than being there, right? I mean, it's, it's like a Seahawk game, right? I mean, you need to be at the Seahawk game. It's just it's different than watching it on TV. TV's great, but I mean, to be there, it's just different. It's like the Dead Sea Scrolls. I don't know if you guys, uh, they, they did a, the Dead Sea Scrolls, they did a like tour right around America and, and they came to Seattle and, and I got to go and actually witness. They had all these, you know, just amazing displays of these actual scrolls that were written like almost 2,000 years ago that, were like on display for you to look at. And, and I just have to tell you, there's just something different, something changed in me. The moment I walked into that, that exhibit and actually saw the words written down. I mean, I, I, I remember they had Isaiah laid out and you, you could just read Isaiah and all these pages and it was just amazing and and I was looking and I remembered uh, I'd gotten done with Bible college thankfully and and, uh, so I remembered them I remembered the story of the scribes when they would copy the Bible down and when they were copying along they would come to the name Yahweh the name of God and they would stop where they were writing and they would go and they would wash spend some time in prayer and praise they would come back and then they would write the name of God. When they got done, they'd put down the pen, not a pen, probably something else, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, go back and wash their hands again, pray, worship God, come back, and then continue to write. And when I was looking at Isaiah, and I saw the name of God in a different font than anything else, bigger than anything else on the page, it just struck me. I was just like, oh, this is real. There's just something, it's different, Right? Do we have that honor of God, right? Do we understand that his name really means something? Is this something different about being there? We can't just hear the stories, and so many of us, we're 2,000 years removed from the stories of Jesus' birth. And so they're just stories for us. We just hear them, and we just listen to them, or we, you know, whatever, we see movies about them, but, but we, we don't really get into it. We haven't seen it ourselves, but understand that we can see it ourselves. We can see him ourselves. See, Jesus is, he can be known. This is a big reason why he came. is so that he could be in us and with us. That we can understand him, that we can interact with him. That it's not just a, a practice of the mind, but it's something we experience as well. That we can see his face, maybe not a physical face, but his real face, who he really is. Through our knowledge and experience of him. Philippians 3, 8, and 9, Paul was so focused on this knowing that everything else didn't matter. He just wanted to know Jesus. He says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It is about knowing Jesus. This is where we can experience these stories 2,000 years ago, where we can show up and we can be there in a sense, that we can actually see this baby who grew up and became a man who lived this perfect life, who willingly gave his life for ours and rose from the dead. We can see him. We can interact with him. We can have conversations with him. We can live this event. We can be there. We can experience it ourselves individually. 
So this Advent season, may we seek to know Jesus. Seek more. Don't be afraid to ask for more from him, to long for more. If there's certain experiences that you haven't had from him or certain truths that you don't fully understand from him, ask him about it. To be boldly in, in, to say, no, Jesus, I want to know you more. Don't ever be satisfied with what you know of him so far. There's always more. Always more. All right, worship team, why don't you come on up and we're going to transition into communion. What I love about this first Sunday of Advent is that it always seems to kind of bring these two amazing events together. He brings the arrival of Jesus on the earth and the death of Jesus on the earth together. But the reality is, is that this birth of Jesus and all of its glamour and glitz without the death and resurrection of Jesus, it really doesn't mean anything. Matter of fact, we wouldn't even be talking about it. I mean, it would truly just be in our his- history books. This weird thing about this woman who said she was a virgin and had birth and gave birth to this guy who then lived 30 years and did all these miracles and then he, and he just kind of disappeared. Now, Jesus died and he rose from the dead. Because of that, our sin is exposed. It's in the death and resurrection that we recognize our sinfulness. We recognize that this innocent man paid the price for my sin. And it helps us to recognize, you know, give us that humility that we need in order to maintain and develop that relationship with him. It's because of the death and resurrection that we find hope in the eternal gifts. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we have no hope for eternity. There are no eternal gifts to look forward to. But he did, and so because he did, we can focus on those eternal gifts and be excited about what's to come. It's because of the death and resurrection that he dwells in us. It's what makes that possible, that we can experience the presence of Jesus now. If he didn't rise from the dead, then again, we, we have no Jesus. But because he did, we've, we can celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. It's because of the death and resurrection that we have an example to follow. An example of servanthood, of sacrifice, of willingly suffering for others. It's because of the death and resurrection that we have a reason praise. We celebrate Jesus' birth because he died and rose from the dead. It motivates also our knowledge and desire to know Jesus more. I mean, if this guy did live 30 years, 33 years, and then die and then rose from, if he did, if that's true, I need to know that guy. I want to find out more about this guy. I mean, that's just crazy. And we can. So as we come to communion this morning, may these themes and perspectives run through our minds, remembering this amazing sacrifice that he gave for us, where in essence he showed the depth of his love not because we were great or because we'd already repented or began to worship and praise him. No, 
as it tells us in scripture Jesus was totally alone at the end but he still did it he still loves us